again, Gate Church family. Can I at least get a good morning? I got good, good morning. It's still morning, right? It's on the we're on the we're in Central Standard Time. Yeah. Well, my name's Cole. I'm one of the uh, vision pastors here at the Gate Church. You saw my wife up a little bit earlier, Eva, and uh, and we just want to welcome you here to the Gate Church today. Uh, pastor Jordan and Pastor Holly are away for the week in the mountains of Georgia, getting some well-needed rest time. Yeah. He texted me the other day, and he was like, man, I just got home uh, having to get dried off and warm. I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, just went up in the mountains, and it rained on me. If you know Pastor Jordan, he is an outdoorsman. He loves the mountains and he loves the woods. And so he's living in his heaven right now. Uh, and they are online today. And we just want to say uh, say a big shout out to you guys today. We are praying for you. We are praying rest. Amen, amen, amen. How many of you know that rest is holy? Rest is holy. Rest is good. Everybody in this room, you need to, somebody, somebody that might be a revelation for somebody right there. Rest is holy. And we pray holy rest over Pastor Jordan and Pastor Holly this morning, uh, believing God that he supernaturally, rapidly refreshes and restores. Uh, the Bible teaches that God can take the years that the canker worm is stolen and restore them. And the principle there is, is God can cause a little bit of rest to be a lot of rest. Amen. When it's godly rest, it's a lot of rest. And we are just believing that for them this morning, that God is causing supernatural rest to come to their lives. You guys heard a little bit about it in, um, in the announcements, but I just want to say something. Uh, we are receiving our bags by the bumper today. Uh, that's a very important initiative we do every year at the Gate Church for the holidays. Uh, we just believe that God gives us the ability to feed people. And our church is able to partner with that. And one really cool thing that Pastor Ben was telling me about this morning is we do this through Joseph's Pantry, which is an initiative uh, ministry here we have at the gate to be an outreach. And we had Walmart this week give us 25 turkeys. Yeah, right? So big thank you to Walmart. I know y'all are watching, so thank you, Walmart, for watching and for giving us turkeys. <laughs> But we really do believe that uh, every single year we have to uh, raise the money and get donations for those turkeys. And that was really cool that they were able to uh, get those through donations. And just uh, we know that people in this church body and people you may know are in need. And being in need is nothing to be ashamed about. It's a, it, it happens to all of us. Everybody has hit points in their lives that they need a hand up. And that's what we want to do. We believe that God's given us the ability to reach out and feed people that are in need. So if you know of someone, whether it be you, or a family member or someone that you're connected to locally uh, that needs to have some help with Thanksgiving. We're gonna have 25 boxes of Thanksgiving meals ready for someone to take home and prepare for their family uh, for the holiday seasons. But it's important that the way you sign up for that is after service this week and next week, go to our information center straight out those center doors. And all you do is it's, it's very, uh, it's very, um, I'm trying to, not secretive, uh, <laughs> confidential. There we go. That's words. Words are hard. I'm from South Carolina. Yeah. We just like, hey, y'all. So, uh, so it's very confidential. Um, but we, if you'll go back there and put them, uh, put their name down, then on Monday night, November 21st, at our Thanksgiving blessing service, which you also need to put in your calendar, uh, they can come and get the food that night and they'll be able to prepare for their family a Thanksgiving. So thank you, Gate Church, for giving to Bags by the Bumper today. Give yourself a hand. Amen, amen. Well, we have been talking here at the gate about uh, pyramids to people are greater than people and then 
promises, a people to promises. That's been the two sermon series that Pastor Jordan's been talking about. And, and they've been really life-changing for, for me and I know all of us there. And, and uh, he's really felt like that God's taken him on a journey through this. And, and he, we've been talking as a team about that and exactly what that means. And as you know, we started the series talking about pyramids being greater than people. How many remember that? Remember the series? And how God, how when we look at Israel in the Old Testament, we see a pattern that, that was formed between their bondage in Egypt to their freedom in the wilderness to walking into their promised land. And what we saw was that Egypt or Israel was in bondage to Egypt uh, in, in Pharaoh's rule and that Pharaoh used people to build his empires. And how many times in, in Christianity we have used people to build empires? Amen. And how God's, God's desire for them was to come out of bondage to where God could truly be their God. And he brought them into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness doesn't sound like a great place, but it's better than bondage. And in the wilderness, people became the priority to God. And every single day, manna came from heaven and water came out of rocks and they were provided by God every day. But then we shifted to a series that's talking about people going into promises because the people of God have to move into the promised land. They have to move into a place that God has provided and they can partner with God to live out everything that God has for their life. And it's really interesting when I was thinking about this, if you look at Egypt and you look at the bondage they were in there, what you see is that Egypt was all about works. It was all about what I can do. Work, 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 no faith. Work, work, work for somebody else, build their empire. Work, 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 never enough working every day. Well, then we move into the wilderness and in the wilderness, it's all faith. There's no work. I'm not planting crops, we're not working livestock. All we're doing is walking through the desert. And every morning when we wake up, there's new manna on the ground and there's water coming out of rocks and it's faith in God. And that's a very valuable progression. Works to faith. But what we see is that whenever Israel goes from the wilderness into the promised land, it becomes about both. Because what God did there is he said, you're gonna go into this land and you're gonna conquer, you're gonna have to fight. You're gonna conquer, you're gonna plant crops, they're gonna grow, and you're gonna walk into the promises of God, but it's you partnering with God. It's not works, it's not faith. Interesting in the New Testament, Paul says, faith without works is dead. And the reality is, is the promised land became a place that they lived in the promises of God by working with God and having faith that their work would be multiplied by God. Does that make sense? And it's really been life-changing in the fact that I'm seeing the way God does things as a lot different than what I really may have thought. Uh, I think the church has become really, um, not the church necessarily here, but you know, churches around have become more focused on, on this easy, wonderful, grace-filled Christian life that, hey, you don't need to put in a lot of effort, right? God wants your best day next day, tomorrow. Every day's a Friday. The blessings of God are good and great and all of that. But what we find is when they went into the promised land, there were giants to conquer. It wasn't all easy. I've never fought a giant. I'm not a big guy. But I imagine it would be hard. They had to plant crops. They had to work the land. That's not the popular Christian message. Popular Christian message is easy. God's just gonna get you everything you need. Just sit back and relax. But the truth is, is that the faith that Jesus taught us was it's gonna be us together. I'm gonna put grace in your areas of weakness, but you gotta bring something to the table. Works and faith work together, amen? 
Amen. So it's really challenged me in so many ways. Um, then, so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. And what I'm talking about today is the purpose of your promise. Because God has promises for us, but there has to be a purpose to it. And we have to recognize the purpose of the promise. Amen. So my son is wrestling now. That was fun. Had his first match yesterday, his first tournament. Uh, I'm a wrestling guy growing up, so I understood it all. My wife is not a wrestling person. She's never been to a match till yesterday. So she definitely had no understanding of what she was walking into. Anybody ever here been to a wrestling tournament on like a Saturday scenario? Those things that go from morning to nighttime and just a bunch of sweaty boys on mats. Yeah, that happened yesterday to my wife and she figured out some things about wrestling. And that is, man, this takes forever. Forever and lots of waiting time in between. But he did pretty good. He walked out on the mat the first match, never been on a, uh, in a match in his life, and he got beat. But you know what? I expected that. It's your first time out there, first time getting a ref blowing a whistle at you, doing all the wrestling things. Um, the next match he won, and he was feeling good. He actually didn't know he won until, like, because they blew the whistle, it was over, and he goes up there, and they, they, he had learned the shake the hand afterward thing, and the ref grabs his arm and lifts it up. He went... I had no idea that the win was there. So the next match he went and won again and pinned this kid. And now, Elliot's now in his mind the best wrestler that's ever lived. <laughs> I am it. I am the thing. I can beat everybody in here, don't care who they are, and I can beat you. And I'm not kidding, that was his attitude. <laughs> I'm sitting there getting ready for his fourth match, and I'm like, Elliot, you are being cocky. Son, cocky will get you beat. He's like, no, I'm gonna go out there and I, and he's just telling me all this thing. I'm like, that, those aren't moves. Those aren't moves. Those, you can't do those things. You're gonna get kicked out and you're gonna lose. And uh, I was right. Dad was right. <laughs> he went out the next match and he got his butt kicked badly and he walked off and cried. And I said, you know what? You needed that loss. That was good for you. That was good for you. We have a little girl named Jovi and uh, you know, Jovi's a daddy's girl. Any daddies in here know what that's like? Any daddies in here that, that you got one way with your sons and then you got that girl and you ain't nothing like that? It's good, right? We're okay. Is that excusable? Can I be that way? Can I be that way? All the girls say you can't be that way, but dads do. But, uh, but she's, she's definitely Pentecostal <laughs> in a few different ways. Number one, she does love to worship. I mean, so she's, she's a worshiping little girl. She's, she's waiting for Miss Kelsey or Uncle Chris in kids' church to get her up on the stage and lead worship. And she comes out and talks about that afterwards. Um, she has faith. I remember her and Elliot, when they were smaller, Eva backed over a frog in the driveway. And they actually prayed for this frog to come back to, to life. It did not come back to life. <laughs> but they, they prayed. And then Joby has this one thing, and this thing's something I want to talk about in the, in the message a little bit today. That if I tell Jovi, three weeks from now on Thursday night at 6.30 p.m., we are going to go to Andy's and get ice cream. She says, okay. Doesn't say anything else about it. Till three weeks from now on Thursday night, she's six years old, at 5 o'clock, hey, Daddy, you said we're going to get ice cream tonight at 6.30. And I'm like, yeah, Jovi, you know, you're over 6.30 coming, we ain't get ice cream? You said. I'm like, that you said is her thing. I'm like. We have to be careful now on what we say to her because we're going to get the you said if we say it. Doesn't matter what comes up, you said, and that's like how she lives out life. And the reality is, is that God does have promises for his people. And we always hear about the promises of God. But so often we're unclear about what those really are. See, are they money? Are the promises of God a big house? 
a happy life, a wife and two and a half kids in prep school. Maybe God's promises are just easiness or a bunch of friends. If I truly live in God's promises, what will I see as a benefit? What will benefit me in my life? Hold on, I can't get the screen to roll up. See, I'm the tech guy, why is this happening? You guys are gonna give me a second here. Turn off the writing, there we go. But so often we make the promises of God all about what I can get, how I can benefit. So I get it wrong like this myself. The promises of God for my life are clearly laid out in scripture and they're good things, but they're for me, right? They're mine. And I get all of these promises because I want to live this amazing, healthy, wonderful, awesome, cool, popular Christian life. And what I believe is that sometimes the the issue that God has is not necessarily the promises and getting them to us, but the heart issue that we have and what those promises are. See, our God is a God that deals with the heart issue of our life. Sometimes God in his goodness and grace and his mercy will keep me from the promises that he has for us because of what they'll do to us when we're not ready. There's something there, guys. God's mercy knows when it ain't good for us, even if it's good. So, you know, we have faith. We speak those promises of God. We sow offerings for them. But a lot of times we don't see those promises in our lives. We don't see them active in our lives. I was talking to one of our leaders here in the Gate Church the other day, and, and, uh, and we were talking about a business that he had started a little while ago, and, 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 and it's a good business, and it's really growing, um, and he's seeing some places that he wants it to go. Um, it's not there yet. It's, it, it, it's in the growth process right now. And one of the things in the conversation that came up, and it was sort of just discussion, what I find out is a lot of times when you're discipling someone, you grow as the person doing the discipling or doing the talk. And, and, and we had this realization in our conversation that sometimes we might have to answer the heart things before they're there. See, we know that temptations are going to come, right? Temptations are tests. But to take a test, I should have already studied the material. I should already know what's going to be on the test. And sometimes God withholds the test from us even because we hadn't even studied the material. And what we see is that, is that there are things that we need to answer now. We need to decide the answer on now before the opportunity is even here, before it's even available. We have to prepare for a temptation that's coming before it even comes. See, if the business grows, that we, this is what I, he and I were talking about. If your business grows to the place you're believing for, are you actually ready for it? Not, not, not your systems and plays and your processes and all of that, but how many of us know people that got the new job or the raise, got the new business or it blew up, got the new relationship that they've always wanted, the godly person they've always wanted. And the next thing you know, they become a little more scarce around here on a Sunday. The thing that was God's promise in their life is all of a sudden, well, God promised me to go to my vacation home three times a month on the weekend. Or God's promise in my life meant that I can't stay involved in a small group or I can't serve in this ministry because I got to go on a date night because this person is godly for me. And it's like, we got what we thought was God's promise, but it pulled us away. And what I was talking to him about was, sometimes God may be helping you by not giving it to you until you answer that question. Right. 
My wife and I have been able to walk in some of what we believe to be the blessings of God and promises of God in our life over the last few years. Um, just to be very honest with you, we, we have a few businesses that are growing pretty fast, a lot of opportunity. Uh, Bishop Miller was a part of helping that start in our lives. Pastor Jordan and Pastor Holly have really celebrated that in our lives and empowered it. And it's been really good. But for me, and, and not to toot a horn here, but I had to answer a question about five years ago of when all of it comes. If you're making ridiculous amounts of money where you can make your own decisions, do whatever you want, what's this church ministry kingdom stuff going to become? And even I had to have that conversation, and we had it very real, is that we want to be the kind of people that God can trust with an abundance because we know our abundance is for God's kingdom, not for our own consumption. Which that means for me, if I got more freedom, does my more freedom mean I go away more or does it mean I serve more? I had to answer this question. Guys, I'm talking real stuff here, like for real. I had to answer this question in my life before God in his grace sent it to me. Because I'm not sure five years ago I would have made the right choice there. Right? And I just believe that that's what God sometimes asks of us is, is hey, what's going to happen when I do give you the promise in your life? What's it going to turn you into? Are you the kind of person that can, 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 can resist all the, the, the temptation that promises bring you? Because it's a lot, right? Not just money, not just money. Not, not everybody's called to be wealthy. Let me, let me just say that. I don't believe that. It's not, this is not just material. In fact, it's probably minimal, I'm pro, we're probably simplifying it if we even call it that. Because that's really not what it is. It's not about materialism. Because sometimes people live in an abundance of peace, an abundance of love, or, or, or a gift, or, or, or skill, or a talent that you may have. Um, influence even. I mean, we've got, we've got influential people in this room. What are you going to do when you get that? What kind of person is it going to make you when all, one of those things come? I know some people here this morning knows what I'm talking about. They've seen it. You've seen this happen in people over the years. Amen? God, uh, Bishop used to say this, and, and this was really cool, and I, and I really like it. God is actually in the moment processing us for what God has for us. And the bishop said it this way, God is always preparing you for what he has prepared for you. See, God could dump all of his promises, all of his blessings, all of his goodness, everything that you need in life on you right now by the time you get to your car outside. By the time you get to your car outside, you can have everything in the world that God, God, God is that powerful. He can give you anything you want in a moment, right? Why doesn't he? <laughs> Why doesn't he? Because sometimes we're just not ready for it. Amen? We're just not ready for it. And I want to be the kind of guy, I want to be the kind of person, I know people in this room are the same way, that I want to say, God, make me into the person that can steward that in my life, can steward your promises in my life. That I could take your promises and realize the purpose for them and apply those promises with that purpose. Amen? Amen? So we had to answer this question a long time ago. I'm going to read a little bit out of the scriptures today and, uh, and have a few practical tips for us. Um, and then we'll get out of here. Amen. It's cold outside. Is it still cold outside? I've been here for a while and it's hot up here in my, in my deer hunting sweater. Um, your promise and your purpose work hand in hand. In Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, and this is really talking about the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant God had with Abraham. The Bible says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you 
will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I, whom that dishonors you, I will curse. And, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Romans verse nine, six through eight. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. That is those who are children of the flesh, those are not children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Genesis, all I did there was show you the Genesis promise is for you. It's for the church. It's for the body of Christ, amen? Talk about four different things this morning with these promises. I'm going to say, you may want to write this statement down. The promises of God are for the benefit of the person to equip the family, to strengthen the church, for blessing the world. The promises of God are for the benefit of the person, to equip the family, to strengthen the church, for the blessings of the world. What's the purpose of the promise? Purpose of the promise is for the world. The benefit of the promise I get to live in. So number one, the promises of God in that, each person that is that original blessing blessed, each person benefits. Because the promises of God always start in an individual. The promises of God for the world starts in an individual. See, we all have a unique and a thought out design on this earth. We would believe that. We would believe that each person is put here for a reason. If you're not saved, most of the time you're still gonna believe that I've been put here for a reason. It's said at every funeral, they were here for this, they were here for that. It's said to every kid in a, in a sports banquet, it's said to every person in high school, you're put here for a reason, you have a design, right? We all would believe that. But our weakness has been that believing, has been believing in personal destiny with no regards to the larger fitment of it all. My, bless, my destiny is about me. My purpose is about me to get mine. But see, my purpose is actually for something bigger at all times. It's not for the big house in the suburb. It's not for the luxury cars, the three jet skis, the two and a half weeks of vacation a year to a luxury resort. It's not for the 401k retirement plan. That's not what my purpose is for. And if I were trivialize my purpose to things and stuff, then I simply prostitute why God gave me an assignment on this earth. God's not trying to build a life. He's trying to build a kingdom on this earth. And I get to be a part of it. That's the good news, guys. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about his purpose on the earth, which is all of us. When we individualize and isolate our purpose to ourselves, we simply become self-centered and me-focused. It's all about me. But see, we get to be a part of the greater that goes throughout all of history and all of time and it'll culminate in eternity. But we have to get that heart issue settled first. We get the privilege of then living in the promise God has given me for the world. Oh, my dad used to say, 
Well, when water runs through the pipes, the pipes get wet. And what that means is, that's old country saying, just bear with me. What that means is, 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 is there's a purpose for what's going on in my life, but I get to live in it. I get to be a benefit of it. I get to be a recipient of it. I can't give away a million dollars if I don't have it. I can't give away peace if I ain't got it. I can't walk in my gifting if I don't have those gifts. God lets you live in them. You get to be a benefit of them, a beneficiary of them. But my gift, my blessing, my promise is never for me. It's for the world. But it begins in me. Amen. If I want to give a blessing, I have to have the blessing to begin with. If I want to give promises to people, I have to have the promises to begin with. I have never got up on a Monday morning, went to my mailbox, and got a check written from heaven, signed by Jesus. I never had a direct deposit. No, no, no. God uses people to give me blessings. It's from God. It's from God. But it comes through people. And that's true about everything in life. There's people out there in this world right now that feel, feel broken, depressed, unloved, that are uneducated, that there's gifts in this room that's the answer to that. There's people that have an abundance of some of those things in their life. And you have that to distribute to the world around you. So those things are not for you. It's for someone else. Amen? Number two, each family is equipped when the individual walks out their promise. Because families need individuals. That's just math. Okay, that's just math. <laughs> you gotta have at least two people, right? So, so let's, let's talk math here, right? So families need individuals. See, husbands need strong and healthy wives that are walking out their God-given purpose. Now, I will go on a little bit of rabbit trail here because I, I felt this one this morning. See, men, we are not the kings of our house. I'm just gonna say that. Nowhere in the Bible did it promise you to be the Lord or king of your house. I'm talking to the men right now. Women should be saying, yeah. <laughs> We're called to be the priest of our home. That's a big difference. Priest is about responsibility. King is about authority. There should be only one king in your wife's life, and that should be Jesus. getting a little too much feedback on that one. <laughs> Touching something here. We have marriage counseling available here at the Gate Church. You see one of our own pastors immediately after service in the altar. I'm just kidding. But see, man, we have to model the role of what a priest looks like. And what a priest looks like is that man on his knees praying. That man walking through his house and praying over his kids, covering his home, making sure that we're studying the word together. If your wife is the spiritual head of your house, dude, something's out of order, bro. If you're trying to be Mr. Macho, obey me, woman, get in the kitchen. Something's out of order. Your wife's your leadership partner for your house. You're the spiritual covering. That's how God set this thing up. I didn't write the rules. Don't be mad at me. Women need loving, covering husbands. That's what women need. And women, you need to let them do that. I'm not going to be as hard on the women right now. 
But if you're bucking him at every turn, berating him, beating him up, don't come down to the altar next Sunday and say, my husband won't stand up in our house. (laughs) A man will soar on the honor and respect and love of his wife. I'm telling you that right now. Dudes, where you at? Husbands, where you at? Men are stronger when their woman honors and loves them, believes in them, builds them up. No one's words matter more in your life than your wife's words. I can tell you that. So when we're negative all the time, don't be surprised if at some point in time it starts taking effect on the house. All right, there's my marriage counseling for today. Your kids need whole, sane parents who are stable. <laughs> Ugh, I don't want to touch that one too much either, but I guess we might, might as well. Why not? We're here. We need parents who's going to lead the family. I'm going to tell you how that happened for us last week. Ellis in wrestling now. Last week he was in football. This has been a thing. We've given Saturdays for months now. It's just months more to go, and Eva's mad at me about it. We got to get marriage counseling over my son's sports that I keep putting him in. <laughs> Both sports, football and wrestling, this side note. She, she said, I didn't know we were signing up for all this. I did. <laughs> just didn't tell you. <laughs> but last Saturday, Elliot played seven and under football, and we had a game on Saturday, playoffs, optional playoffs, and I put him in. She didn't like that either. They sent out an email. They can be in the playoffs if you want. I was like, yeah, go out there and win. We're one and eight, but we're going to go to the playoffs. <laughs> it's optional. It's like everybody gets in in Little League. <laughs> well, we went two and eight as of last Saturday. We won the game, which means, <laughs> which meant the next morning at 8 a.m., we had a game in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. That was Sunday morning. We got in the car and we told my son, hey, bud, today was your last game. Come text the coach. Because God's house is where we're at tomorrow. That's what's most important to us. You know what? It was the right thing to do. I grew up to where wrestling was my life. A pastor's kid. And I worked a job. I was not allowed to work on Wednesday or Sunday morning, Sunday night. I was not allowed to have a wrestling match on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday. And I'm telling you to the point that one time I tested that and said, I'm going to go to work at 6 o'clock. And my dad showed up at the gas station I worked at, put me in the truck, and at 6.45, I was playing drums on the stage at church. And then after church, he dropped me back off at the gas station. Go back to work, son. But see, parents have to put that in our kids, right? We have to teach them what's the values and priorities in life. They need to see our commitment to Jesus first. They need to see our commitment to health, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. They need to see that. Because our kids are going to raise kids one day. That's how this works. We talked math earlier, that's science. (laughs) That's how this works. And then parents, we need healthy and stable children. That's our legacy or a good part of it. You need to teach your kids how to be raised whole and how to learn how to manage their own spiritual life, their emotional life, their relational life. We have to teach them that because we need that for them. That's how this faith continues. It's passed from one generation to another generation. The scripture says, raise a child in the ways of God, and when they get older, they will not depart. 
How many people we got in here today that you were raised by godly parents? Not everybody, but there's a lot of us. And I bet you'd say the same thing. I'm raised by godly parents, and because of that, I'm following in their footsteps. Number three, the church becomes stronger. All right, might get bumpy. I know the marriage thing might have really got us, but this one might be worse. God's purpose in the earth is fulfilled through the church, period. I'm not saying the church is perfect. I'm not saying the church is without spot and flawless. I recognize the flaws of the church as much as anybody in here. I could tell you stories of church hurt that'll go to that ceiling, and I've been up there. It's high. It's a catwalk right there, and it's like 20 feet above that. We can stack stories of church hurt to everybody in the, uh, all the way to fill this whole room up. I can do that personally. The hurt's real. It can be painful. It can be debilitating, and it should not happen. I know that. The church is full of flaws because as long as Cole Phillips is a human that is part of the church, the church is going to at least have one flaw. And the reality is, is everybody in this room can say the same thing because the church is made up of a bunch of people, and people will hurt people. Shouldn't, don't want to, and often by mistake. There's some bad things that happen that's intentional. But, but the reality is, is the church is still God's purpose to bring hope to the world. You know what Jesus said of his bride? He said, you're the light of the world, a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. Hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to the world. You know, it's not this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, put it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. None of that. No, no, no. The light light of the world is the church. Is the church. That's how the world is changed, through the church. That's the hope the people need, is the church. Jesus' bride. You cannot separate and do away with the church from Jesus any more than you can separate coal and get rid of Eva. If you do away with Jesus, you do away with the church. You do away with the church, you do away with Jesus. You can't, do, you can't separate the two. Period. We can't oversimplify this, guys. It's not that simple. I can't just go sit under a tree and have the church. I just can't. I, I can't. It can't be done that way. Yeah, you can get to heaven. You can get to heaven and die, but that's not the purpose of all this. The purpose of all this is to bring the kingdom of God to the world today, to the darkness that is out there. Amen? Because the world is then blessed. This is number four. When the church is healthy. The purpose of God, if the purpose of God is to redeem a fallen and a dark world, then the church is the way that happens. The world is a dark place, but the Bible teaches us that we are the light into that world. But too often we choose to fight the world that we're supposed to be taking the hope to. Differing beliefs, different backgrounds, different views. We pick up our, not literal guns, but we pick up our battle weapons and we go and fight the people that we're supposed to be reaching. And that's just not the way Jesus did it. The first and 
sometimes only Bible verse that we're ever taught is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Man, that's simple. That's John 3.16. Guys, our our promise, and and Ashley, the worship team can come, at least the band. The promise of of our life is for the world. And you see how it gets there. You know, Jovi, my little girl, I was telling that story a little bit earlier, how she holds me to ice cream, you know, three weeks from now. With the you said, man, I could have told her, you're going to drive my truck one day, and she's going to next week tell me, hey, can I drive your truck now? I meant when you're 15, not now, right? And what she doesn't understand is that promises can be tricky. Because you can have promises and never see them happen. We all in here know that. And it's usually for a few reasons. Number one, it could be a bad promise maker. If the person who made the promise isn't good for it, the promise is as good as the words that were said. We know that. We've been in those situations. Somebody promised you something. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't walk through. They didn't fulfill it. A contract, a handshake, just a, a relationship. No matter what documentation you have or witness you have, the promise is as good as the person making the promise. Bottom line. Number two, it could be a bad promise recipient. I've been to a timeshare presentation fell for it one time, bought it, and then never used it. I had the promise. I had the vacation sitting there, and it could go use it anytime I wanted to, but I just never did it, right? I was a bad promise recipient. I was the problem. And the third way is sometimes the promise just hasn't come to maturity yet. Jovi, you're not big enough to drive my truck yet, but I promised you you will. And see, when we're dealing with the promises of God, we know it's not number one. We, know, we don't have a promise, a bad promise maker. Often it's not number two. It's not that we're not ready to receive the promise. But so many times, it's because it hasn't come to maturity yet. It's not time. And could it be that it's not time simply because of my maturity to walk it out? Not my faith, not my ability to pray believe God well in the altar. No, maybe that promise coming to pass in my life might hurt me more than it helps me because I ain't ready for it. I know that's been the case in my life a bunch of times. If God gave me what I have now at 26 years old, (laughs) it would have been good. How many of you can say that? You can look back at times in your life and say, if I was where I am now, if I had what I had now then, well, what if now is the time you're going to be talking about in the future? If I had now what I had then, but we're looking back on this day. So our thoughts today and our prayers have to be, God, I need you to work in me. I need to be a man, a woman that's ready for this. I have, a, I have a little thought and illustration here and sort of got to it in the points, but what we need to have a blessed world is it starts here because we need a healthy person. Daniel has to be healthy 
Eva has to be healthy. Pastor Ben has to be healthy to live the promises of God in their lives. Because then we get a healthy family. The Gonzalez's, the Phillips, the Williams can be a family that walks in the promises of God. Because these families make up a church, guys. A church. And man, when we got people in this church that are walking out your promises financially and health and wholeness and love and patience. When we have people serving in kids ministry that have a grace for it. And we got people that's reaching our city that feel called to it. And we have people on the stage that are real ministers, psalmists, minstrels for the Lord and are leading us into his presence. And we got people working with our students. We have businessmen that are giving and giving and giving to fund it. Then we can get a healthy church that can make a difference. And when the gate church and the Baptist church down on that side of town and the Lutheran church on that side of town and that, and that Methodist church over in, on the East Coast and another Pentecostal holiness church in the, in, in, the, in the West Coast. And before you know it, all these churches come together and they're doing the same thing. Then we got lights in every city, in every neighborhood in every community. And then the government don't have to fix our problems, guys, of the world. The people that God put on the planet to fix the issues of society are standing in their place. And we're believing that for the gate church. We're believing this church is gonna be one of those churches. We can only fill our part. We can't fill it all. We can't fix the world. We can fix our part of the world. Our, our assignment in the world we can do. But you know what? This can't happen unless we got families and we got individuals that are standing in the promises of God for our life. And you can't walk in the promises of God in your life until you have committed that the purpose of my promise is to reach the world. Yeah. The purpose of what God gave you, the business, the gift, the talent, the skill, the heart, the health, the purpose of that is to reach my world. It is never for you. It is never for me. Answer the question now of God, why are you giving me this? Or why are you not giving me this? Because that's what matters in the world we live in. Cole Phillips had to answer this question. God, if you give me 15 businesses and millions of dollars, what am I going to do with it? I had to answer it before it started coming. It ain't there yet, but it's getting there. And before it started coming, I had to answer that question. What is the purpose of the promise I want in my life? We have to answer the heart issues because I've seen too many people ruined by success, destroyed by their gifts and talents, giving it all up for the wrong reason. If I have influence on social media, if I have influence in politics, if I have influence in the world, what am I influencing? Guys, we gotta answer these questions. Sorry if I'm a little passionate about it, but this is the question that matters because there's a world out there that's dark and there's a flashlight in this room that can light it up, amen? I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. And today I really truly believe that the heart issues are what we have to deal with. I believe that's the test God gives us is the heart. God, so much in the Bible is about the heart. What I want you to do today is ask the question, 
You ain't got to answer it. I don't need to hear your answer. <laughs> I'm not in your heart. Two people in this room right now, maybe three, two people that I'm going to start with, is you're walking in an incredible amount of success, influence, wealth, fill in the blank on what it is. I don't know. You're walking in it. And you have that question now. What's it for? What is, what is this for? Why do I have this? What's the purpose of what I've got in my hand? Because what I don't want to see is us do a funeral for you in X amount of years from now in this room. And the thing that you said on the deathbed was I wish I would have. And I guarantee you, you ain't gonna say I wish I had more money. Nobody ever says that on the deathbed. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have left this. I wish I would have made this happen. Those are the death regrets. I've been at a lot of people's bedside when they passed to eternity. And then the question has never been, man, I wish I had a thousand more dollars when I was 22 years old. I wish I would have worked 10 more hours a week for at least 20 years. That's not, that's not what they're saying, guys. They're saying, man, I wish I would have spent more time with people, with my family. I wish I would have given more. I wish I would have served more. I wish I would have just fill in the blank. So there's people in the room that have to answer that question today. What are you doing with the influence or the success God's given you? But number two is, I have something in me that's burning and I know God has called me to greater and I'm not experiencing it. And so God, I need you to show me where I'm not ready because I believe in your mercy and goodness and grace for me. You've not given me something that will destroy me for a reason. And there's a question that has to be answered of why. And the question is not why has God not, is what in me, why am I not ready? That's the question. So we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe God's answering today. Some of those questions is actually in the worship team lead us in worship. I want you to pray that prayer to yourself. Guys, this is, this is not an altar call situation. This is a heart situation. We got people that'll come up here and pray with you. No problem. We'll do that end of service. What you want to do right now is say, God, search me. David, the psalmist used to say that throughout the Psalms. Search me, God. God, I want you to crawl down in the recesses of my heart. And I want you to show me where that's missing or what's going on.
actually uh, had decided what the altar call would be before I came in this morning, and I said there didn't need to be a response. But I really feel like God is tugging on my heart right now, and maybe yours. And, and we're not gonna have prayer teams, but if you feel like one of those two questions is something you need to deal with, I think it's easy to get lost in the pews, lost in the sanctuary and not have to deal with it. But a step sometimes is a step of faith to say, God, I'm making an acknowledgement that I'm responding, not just in my head, but I'm responding with my, with my action. And I'm gonna say, if you feel the response to one of those two questions is a question that you have to answer, I want you to get in these altars today. I want you to get out here and I want you to ask God, what is it that's holding me back? Or why did you give me this? You can come to the front now. People are moving. time here in the altar as people wish and worshiping but before we go today maybe you're in this room and we're talking about promises and you don't even feel like you have a relationship with Jesus to begin with it could be someone that you've known God but you feel like you've gotten away from him or that maybe you've just never taken that step to make him the Lord that could become the promise maker for your life because at the end of the day, even what all I talked about, nothing matters if our heart's not right and in alignment with God, with Jesus as our Savior. And if you're one of those people, um, no embarrassment in this room. I'm not asking people to put their eyes down and their heads down and their eyes closed because I think we've all come this journey. Not a single person in here didn't have to surrender their life to God in front of people at some point in time. So we all know. And in fact, the Bible teaches us that every time a soul comes to God, heaven rejoices and we believe that happens in this room as well but if you need to recommit your heart to Christ today or give your heart to Christ for the very first time I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if anyone in this building is at that point we want to make sure we never let a service pass here as often as possible without that question being asked give you a couple more seconds okay as we go today I'm going to pray a blessing over the people 
in this room and I'm gonna pray over the people that are in this altar and Pastor Ashley and the team's gonna worship a little longer. But what we believe, especially for those in this altar today, is that God is clarifying and helping you inside of the workings of your heart because what he has for you is for the world and no single person's part to play is an insignificant part. We can only do this together. We can only change this world when we're all involved. The fact is, is your family, your church in this world needs your contribution. I'll say it even heavier. God needs your contribution. And that's heavy. So God, I just thank you for all of those people here today that are wrestling through questions, God, be it successful or dreams that they have in their life, God. And they're not... They're either walking out the promises of God but don't know why or or they're not quite walking in the promises of God and don't know why. And I just thank you that you're causing answers to be given today, questions to be clarified. God, I thank you that you're causing everyone's heart to become pure right before you. And you're teaching us as people. God, I'm praying for cold, God. You're teaching us as people to put our promises to action. God, in our families, in our church, in our world that we'll be people that are called according to your purpose and we're walking that purpose out through your promises, God. So I pray for each person today and I thank you that those questions are being answered. God, I pray for everyone here at the Gate Church, God, everyone online that may be wrestling with any questions such as that, God, that you'll cause us to walk into fullness of understanding of what you've called us to be and who you've called us to be. God, today we speak blessing over each person that's here today online. God, as we go into our week this week, that we'll do so as people called to purpose. That we'll do so as your hands and feet to the city and to the nation that we live in. So I speak blessings, God. I thank you for increase on all sides. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be dismissed today and you can worship in the altar as well. Good morning. It is such a wonderful message. It was a wonderful message from Pastor Cole where he talked about the promises of God on our life and not only the promises on our life, but that we become conduits of his blessings even to our community and even to the ends of the earth. He spoke out of Genesis chapter 12 where he tells Abraham to go, to lead this nation and to go to a place where I'm giving you that your name is going to be great. I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you because in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. He wasn't playing favorites with Abraham, but he's saying, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to in you raise up a Messiah that will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. My favorite scripture in all the Bible is Psalm 67. It says, God, be merciful to us. Bless us. May your face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your salvation to the ends of the earth. Today, I want to remind you that God has blessed you. I want to remind you that God wants to bring his blessing of salvation to the ends of the earth through you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just today, I bless those that are watching online. I pray your blessing, your prosperity, uh, your promises in their life. But more importantly, Father, I pray that you come into their life in a real, in an impactful way, that you bring salvation to them, and that through these people and through our church, you will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen and amen. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day and a wonderful week. God bless you.